breathe. Bro, get him, get in the car, man. I will. Get him, get in the car. I can't move. I've been waiting the whole time, man. Get him, get in the car. Mama. Get up and get Mama. in the car right. I can't. Yeah, gave y'all the opportunity to get in, bro. I told you, you can't win. My knee. You can't win, man. I'm through. I know you're here, never you didn't listen. Uh, that's the phobia. Just My stomach hurts. Uh -huh. My neck hurts. Uh -huh. Everything hurts. Ah, uh, some water or something. Please. Please. Ah, uh, I can't breathe all the time. Ah. They gonna kill me. They gonna kill me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, with your feet on his neck, man, you get off the His man. nose is bleeding. Like, yeah, come on now. That's wrong right there with his feet on his neck. Look at his man. nose. You see your knee on his neck. Yeah, he got your feet right on his neck. Yeah, he I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. You just a grown guy. You're a tough guy. You're a tough guy, huh? He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. He's not even resisting the rest, bro. His whole nose is a little bit. Fought with him? Bro, why you just sitting there? He ain't doing nothing. He's not putting him in the car. He'll kill me. How long y'all got to hold him down? This is why you don't do drugs, kids. It ain't about drugs, bro. Y'all understand that. Y'all don't got to put y'all in his neck, Right. He is human, bro. He's tired. These are the last words of late George Floyd, a 46-year-old man calling for his deceased mother because he knew in that moment he was going to die. Officer Derek Chavon, weighing roughly 180 pounds with his gear on, held his body weight on Mr. Floyd's neck for a total of nine minutes, while three other cops in the video, as most of you have seen, also kneeled on the body of Mr. George Floyd. Let me give you a little insight on Officer Derek Chavon. This officer has been on the police force in Minneapolis for 19 consecutive years. He has had a total of 18 prior formal complaints where four of them were officer-involved shootings. Yet, the city of Minneapolis has, made no, has had no disciplinary action couldn't be more obvious for those of you who have seen the video that that's ultimately the reason why Mr. George Floyd is dead. This officer killed this man in cold blood and even smiled for a brief moment while he was actually kneeling on his neck. You can tell that the fear actually showed at one point as he grabbed his mace when witnesses started to walk towards him to get him off of his neck after repeated repeated murmurs and cries and yells he can't breathe get off of his neck why do you still have to be on his neck he simply looked and continued the outrage that is poured into the minneapolis streets are a direct result of this kind of civil unrest they're tied to the deaths of philando castile jamar clark and yet unfortunately now George Floyd. And this is all just in the last four years. The city of Minneapolis has ignored the citizens saying we have a problem. Let me give you some facts. Black people make up 18% of the population in Minneapolis, yet make up 40% of the arrest in the city of Minneapolis. That's nine times more than any other 
nationality or ethnicity of anyone in the city of Minneapolis. So you tell me that we don't have a race issue with the Department of So-Called Justice? Let me give you a little bit more detail. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey said, and I quote, this man's death is wrong at every level. Minneapolis Police Chief Madera Arredondo said the FBI is going to leak the investigation due to the possibility that there's been a civil rights violation. A civil rights violation? As of this moment, all four officers have had their homes barricaded by dozens of cops to make sure they are not harmed, despite the fact that they have been terminated. They have been relieved of duty from their role as a Minneapolis police officer. So there's where your tax dollars are being are being spent, citizens of Minneapolis. A direct slap in the face to protect the one who in this instance on video couldn't be more obvious that George Floyd's life meant nothing. So the question lies, why has there not been an arrest? How much more evidence do you need? It's the evening of May 28th and nothing has happened. I, under no circumstances, can get behind looting, stealing, arson of businesses that are in these same neighborhoods. A lot of individuals who don't have cars, a lot of individuals who don't have jobs as a result of the pandemic, a lot of the individuals who relied on places like Target and AutoZone and Arby's, the grocery store Cub, U.S. Bank that was located there, they relied on those places to be able to provide their basic necessities. And rioters burned, looted and burned those places to the ground. All of that is gone. Every single bit of that is gone. Because ignorance followed this civil unrest of the late George Floyd. I completely understand the idea that people are upset so many of those people have not been able to work and earn an income and they allowed the frustration of the pandemic that was already festering finally come to a head with the loss of the life of George Floyd. This has made its way into the city of St. Paul and to the university area where though that target and all of the shopping centers there have also now been looted vandalized beyond repair and burned. So you ask yourself, if you were in Minneapolis, you were in St. Paul right now, and you saw these same things happening, what would you do? If you had an opportunity to be one of the individuals who filmed the untimely death of George Floyd, what would you do? What would you have done? I've seen so many comments on social media, so many comments about don't film it, help him. Don't film it, you should have helped him. You're weak because you didn't help him. Let me give you that number, those numbers again. 
Black people make up 18% of the population, yet 40% of the arrests that are made by the city of Minneapolis. Nine times more likely to be arrested for non-violent crimes than any other ethnicity in the city of Minneapolis. They have killed time and time again young black men, old black men, middle-aged black men, and women to no avail. There was no justice that was given. Just more and more and more people have lost their lives. So you individuals out there saying, you should have done this, you should have done that, what would you have done? I gave you the numbers. Fact check me. Those are real numbers. What would you have done? This blatant slap in the face to be able to protect these individuals who swore to protect and serve the community and not hold them accountable for their actions couldn't be more egregious than anything that I've ever seen. And it continues to happen. George Floyd was from the city of Houston. And if some of you had an opportunity to see the interview from Don Lemon, you would have saw his sister and his brother who were in probably the worst possible emotion and moments of distress live on camera for the world to see. Because here again, we have yet another black individual innocently killed. Mr. Floyd pulled over. Not only did he not resist, he complied fully from the time that they grabbed him out of the car noticed that there was some medical distress and called the ambulance, sat him down, picked him back up by one arm and walked him across the street where then he would lose his life. So I don't want to hear how outraged people are at the looting. I don't want to hear how outraged at the fires that are happening. The fact that these people are burning down their own neighborhoods. Just a short few weeks ago, so many of you were outraged at the idea that your state's governors were keeping the city closed to protect you, to prevent the coronavirus from rampaging your family and killing your loved ones as the United States has reached over 100,000 deaths, the highest in this world. Y'all are outraged. How dare they protect us? How dare they keep us from working? How dare you? And so many of those same people right now are absolutely silent. Have not said a word about the clear evidence that George Floyd lost his life at the hands of an officer who swore to serve and protect him. I had the opportunity to live in Minneapolis at two times in my life. My parents moved from Mississippi to Minnesota in 1995. I graduated from South Minneapolis High School. I can't tell you the countless times I was followed by the Minneapolis police. Never cited for anything, never arrested. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just happened to be a young black man walking home from a part-time job, getting off the bus, walking home from school going to the store to pick up a couple of extra groceries when my parents couldn't make it. And so as soon as I graduated and was leaving to go to college, I got out of Dodge. I later had an opportunity 
to move back in 2010. And when I tell you, there were a myriad of times that I was pulled over, that I was questioned, my driver's license was ran. I constantly, constantly was questioned about whose vehicle was I in? Where was I going? Where was I coming from? Do I have weapons in the car? Do I have drugs on me? I'm as straight laced as it gets. Nothing that I've ever done should have ever given police suspicion, but they got the one thing that they needed, which was I was black, I was a male, and apparently in their eyes, I should not have been in some of the suburban areas I was in. I should not have been in downtown Minneapolis at times that they felt like I shouldn't have been there. I moved there for monetary reasons to, do, to continue my career, and I had to get the hell out of there. 2016, following a career for my wife, we moved back. But we moved to the city of St. Paul, doing my duty to make sure I support my wife, who had, was, was the dawn of a brand new career that she was super excelling at. I kid you not, I hadn't been in Minneapolis three days before I was pulled over in my SUV. After running my tags for seven minutes, the cop walks up to my window and asks me, to show my hands. Now my hands are already on the steering wheel. I've been down this road before. I knew exactly what was going on. I had my driver's license, my registration, and my proof of insurance already ready. It was visible. As I rolled the window down to make sure that the officer could see where my hands were, they asked me, is the vehicle mine? There's no chance, no chance that I could be a working class person just like anybody else earn enough money to be able to pay for the SUV I was driving there's no chance the officer walks away from the car the second officer who was at the passenger side of my vehicle walks away they get back into their cruiser and another 15 minutes goes by they come back give me my information and tell me that you had an illegal lane change and I asked the officer, well, where did that happen? I just came off of an exit and you pulled me over within a block of me getting on the main street. How could that have happened? He says, have a good day and walks away. This event happened at least six more times, six more times. You know what one cop told me? You were speeding. You were going 32 on a 30 even though I was at a stop sign. Another cop told me there was some suspicion that my SUV may have been stolen. Another officer told me, I just need to check it out. These are the things that black men across the United States are facing every single day. I have never had a lapse in my insurance. I have never had a suspended driver's license. I make it a point to be very cautious of the speed limit in areas, especially when I'm driving in areas that I'm not familiar with to avoid those same things. Yet, I'm constantly pulled over. I was constantly questioned about why I was there, where I was going, where I came from, and is the vehicle that I'm driving, does it belong to me?
for those of you who don't understand why the citizens of Minneapolis are upset, for those of you who don't understand why the black community across the United States are tired, are fed up, are sick, are hurt by the actions that are taking place in Minneapolis is because they can name at least three or four of the people in the city that they live, a place that's close to them across the entire United States where it's happened again and again and again and again. And in 2020, we are still here. No justice, no reform, no consequence for any actions that have taken place. You have to understand every day that I step outside my house, whether I'm going to work, I'm going to the grocery store, or I'm simply taking my kids to the park, I'm constantly looking to see if the police are around. Now, granted, I moved away from Minnesota not even nine months after those incidents. In nine months, I had been pulled over a total of eight times, cited with a speeding ticket once because from a stop sign, I had somehow got to 32 miles an hour in a 5,800-pound SUV within three seconds. You do the math. So, of course, I moved my family. I moved away for safety. I moved away to make sure that not only my life, my wife's life, but my children's life was no longer in danger. So you've got to understand this is what they're dealing with every single day. So don't tell me that nothing would have happened because it's happening every day for less. Every single day. All the 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 just the, the buildup inside of me from my own experiences, from the experiences of people all over the country, from the most recent death of Mr. Arbery in Georgia. And you wonder why so many people in the communities, not just of color, are so upset because yet again, here we are. For those of you who think, had he not done this, had he not done that, just understand that might be your life, but that's not ours. We can do everything the right way. We can comply. We can keep our mouths shut. We can be as polite and professional as you want to be. And our lives, our lives are dependent upon how that officer is feeling at that time. And guess what? Almost 10 times out of 10, there's not going to be any repercussion for him or her. It never does. So I need you to understand this is the position that we're in. I have two sons and two daughters. My oldest son is 16 years old. His name is Tyler. The conversation I had with Tyler is, I understand that you hurt son. I understand that it doesn't make sense. Because he couldn't believe what he was seeing yet again. There are going to be people who hate you who know nothing about you and there's nothing you can do to change that. When you go out and you go to a movie, you go to the store, you go to the park to play basketball. It's important that you keep your eyes focused 
You make sure that you don't raise your voice. You make sure that you speak in a manner that can never be deemed disrespectful to make sure that you make it back home because you can be doing nothing wrong and lose your life. You need to make it back home. It doesn't matter if they disrespect you. It doesn't matter if you feel like your dignity has been taken away. Your objective is to make it home. So for those of you who have not had the unfortunate opportunity to have that conversation with your sons and daughters, don't tell me how I should feel. Don't tell those people in the city of Minneapolis how they should feel. Don't have this sudden spark of outrage of the fact that they're burning and looting everything because the people are fed up. How dare you judge people who are going through duress on a day to day basis, not from actions that they've taken, but from actions and judgment of people just because they look a certain way. I hope I strongly hope that there is some kind of justice that actually happens as a result of this. And I'm tired, y'all. I'm tired. My wife is born and raised in the same neighborhoods that are burned to the ground right now. All her childhood memories, all the different places she's taken our kids to say, hey, here's where I got my ears pierced at five years old. All the places that she had an opportunity to have countless memories, all those places are burned to the ground. While we don't live in Minnesota, and we haven't in over three years. Could you imagine the pain that people who no longer live in Minnesota that grew up there are, are feeling just literally looking at all the live Facebook footage, all the news coverage of their city burned to the ground, people continuing to to loot places and all the civil unrest with the police shooting tear gas and rubber bullets. That's how black people feel every single day. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. And I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last 12 or 15 years. It has failed to hear the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. It has failed to hear the large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. My name is Terrence Clark. I'm the host of Digging Deep. Good night.